This episode of Queer Horror Cult deals with gender-based and sexualized violence. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, ladies. May I join you in an after-dinner drink? Sweet ladies. I'm buying. Fuck off. <laughs> you heard me. Get fucked. Get bent. Fucking women. Get the hell oh, out of here. Right. Beat it. Scram. Get Take bent. Take it easy. Take it easy, my ass. Lead the nerve of this guy. <laughs> Okay, welcome again. Once yeah. more, we're here. Woo! Yeah, February. From January. Well, you know, this is the second episode of February. Yes, but I mean, we're recording it in January, so oh, we're still I see. looking into the future. <laughs> yeah, we're still looking into the future. This should be our last um, go for a while of recording way ahead of time because I will be back. For the episode after this. On our continent. In our city. Yeah, so we'll be able to pick that up again. And Mm -hmm. uh, we should be good. We should be good. Well, last week we talked about revenge in terms of, uh, like, sort of revenge from beyond the grave in, in, like, racialized context. Like, we talked specifically black movies uh, Mm -hmm. to do with this topic. And so we may as well continue the trend with revenge. Yes. At least that's how it's worked out. We're yeah, doing another like revenge episode. Yeah, just now focusing more on the women in horror month. Yep. And, um... Gender-based violence. Yeah, that's... Is there any theory you want to bring to the table as far as, like, mm. male or masculine aggression? And, uh, what, well, I, I can think of a very topical one. It probably won't be so topical when this goes up. But the whole to do with the uh, Gillette commercial. Oh, hit, Jesus. Where it's just I like. I haven't watched it yet, honestly. I haven't either. <laughs> it's, but, you know, just here. I've heard it's so, like, from, like, people who are more where where we're at. They're like, <laughs> they're like, it's, they're like, they watch it and they're like, that's it. Mm. This is what is causing this massive uproar. Like, it's so mild. Like, and it's so, like, such a benign, like, from what I can tell from discourse online, it's just saying, like, hey, don't be shitty. Yeah. And it's like and specifically in a like don't sexually harass people specifically women. Maybe way. we should watch it before yeah, we actually should. talk I don't about know. it. But, I mean, know. I'm kind of cynical about it because it's just like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, it's a multi-million dollar corporation that is using this to promote themselves in a time where it's safe to do so. They wouldn't have yeah. been, they wouldn't have put out a message like this even a couple of years ago because yep. it wasn't safe and profitable to do so. So mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, okay, woohoo. That's it's it's not a bad message, but. Yeah, it's not inherently bad kind of thing, but, but like, you see take it the... with a grain. It's like we see you, we see what you're doing. You're seeing behind the blindfold. Good yeah, <laughs> we uh, we know what's up. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Starting to get real truther-ish with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, yeah. Um, theory. Hmm. Well, I guess you have these um, 
conceptions of this thing called patriarchy. Right. Where obviously men and masculinity are privileged and given more resources and power and all everything above women and femininity. Mm-hmm. Not that women and certain kinds of femininity don't get benefits. Yeah. But it's in more of a colluding way. Like, if, you know, the idea, if, if, if you play along and instead of challenging, yes. you can guarantee or almost guarantee yourself a certain level of security. And that is where intersectionality comes in. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, of course, this is mostly white women we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and of a particular class and of a yeah. partic- you know, particular ability. Heterosexuality. And, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yes. And so this idea, if you want to go to Gillette, this, this, you know, term that gets thrown around a lot, this talk, you know, toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. we hear it a lot. And it's not saying that all masculinity is inherently toxic. I hope that anyone listening would, would know this, but would if, have if, the nuance would, there. But if not, then, you know, I'm happy to give a quick explanation. Well, yeah, you there. may as well, yeah. we'll put down how we're coming at it. Yeah. From. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause but, we can't assume people know the theory yeah, that we studied or to- anything. Totally. Yeah. Or even might be coming from a different yeah understanding or something but the way i understand it Mm. is that you know toxic masculinity is specifically it's anything that you you have this idea of associating masculinity with violence with aggression with hostility with all of these things that are harmful and destructive and then they're also um what makes the toxic part of that is it's also like pressured into men to perform yeah. these tasks where it's just like yeah this is what makes you a man like, yeah you, you're not a man if you can identify readily identify and regulate your emotions or express them in any way or discuss them in any way you're only a man if the only emotion that you feel and outwardly express is explosive anger and that counts as objective yes being objective. yes no that's not seen as emotion that's just seen as passion or as just being a man or whatever and we all know that's bullshit and so you know a lot of the times we look at this in the way that it harms women in so far as whether you're talking about domestic violence about rape culture about so many different things but it obviously also really harms men because it puts them in such a tiny box of Mm -hmm. what they're allowed to to feel to express to experience That it really, it does injustice to both mm-hmm. men, to men, women, and fucking everyone in between. Yeah, it turns out that being forcefully, like, emotionally stunted and illiterate is actually not very healthy or a great feeling yeah. to, like, to experience, you know? So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a complex topic, and obviously it uh, brings out a lot of... Uh, feelings and tempers in some people. And I feel like it's going to be hard to talk about it without sort of like, just by virtue of trying to word it on the fly Mm -hmm. and all that. It's going to be hard to talk about this without putting our foot somewhat in our mouth at times and stuff. So um, I think we should put the disclaimer disclaimer out there that we are trying to approach this with a sort of nuance and not just black and white thinking. Men, bad. Women, good. Yeah. Men, aggressor. Women, victim. If we make uh, certain declarative statements... um, I would like to think goes out saying that there will be exceptions yes. and there also will be plenty of evidence to back it up kind of thing. At least that's how we're viewing it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, like you said, uh, toxic masculinity is not all masculinity in how it's the toxic aspects. And unfortunately that's what gets bandied up for being manly in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah. The, you know, not so toxic aspects like being strong in the sense of like, 
being a protector or being like men can be nurturing. Of course they can. Like, yeah, you have fathers every day that do that. There's all these aspects that they're not on. They're not, there's nothing about them that's unmasculine, but they get portrayed as if they are like the idea of, yeah, men nurturing other men or having, you know, really intimate friendships among each other outside of specific contexts is pretty like it's, it's seen it you know off it'll get called gay or it'll get called mm-hmm. like so it, 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 all these words that imply that it's unmasculine it's unmanly unmanly and it's not becoming of a, of a real man yeah yeah so that is sort of the um approach to masculinity i think we're, we're taking in mm-hmm. this is spe- specifically when we talk about um the toxic masculinity that is at work in these movies like uh, the violence that is perpetrated on women. Yeah, and as specifically fun- generally functions to for for this toxic masculinity to reassert itself and mm-hmm. at times to recuperate itself if it is undermined in any way. Right. And we'll go into some specific examples of that for sure. Yeah. Okay, so instead of blathering on in a bunch of like jargon maybe let's just go to the movies and yeah it's a good we'll good use idea. I, I find when i'm having trouble explaining things i go to examples yep well so perfect. let's go to examples that's what we do here <laughs> um the first movie that we watched was a slasher movie or is a slasher movie from 1982 called slumber party massacre mm-hmm. um yeah we're we are approaching a slasher movie called slumber party massacre with this kind of mindset so but it sounds like the women who like wrote it probably did too well that's just that this was uh written by rita may brown i believe um a staunch feminist and directed by a woman as well and it was sort of a attempt at fucking with the misogynistic tropes and stuff that you see in slasher movies Mm -hmm. and because like let's face it even if a slasher movie like, uh, the bulk of them, I would say, they are saying misogyny is bad, but they still reiterate these ideas and tropes, and they and use them to... It's uh, uh, sometimes, sometimes I don't think they're even saying it's bad, they're just kind of not really saying anything at all. I, I, yes, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, like, saying is bad in the most cursory terms, where it's like, well, of course we think these murders are, are yes, a bad thing. Yes, nobody's cheering for Jason, right? Yeah. Which is it why definitely gets complicated when you've got the horror icons and slasher. Yeah, where you're like, yeah, cut her yeah. up and stuff, and it's like... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, and if, yeah, if you don't, somehow don't know, what is this, 16, what, what episode number is this? 17. 17, episode 17. Uh, yeah, if you don't know 17 episodes in that we love slashers and horrors yeah. and all these things, but... Slashers are my bed at bread and butter, and but I can still look at them we, critically. Yeah, 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 but because I love to complain, I love criticizing shit that I love. Well... I think it's valid, and I, I feel like the conversation gets really boring when it's, uh, A, either just the being negative and picking it apart just because you can, or just being like, this is good, I liked it. And if you Full problematize stop. this for me in any way, yeah. I will retaliate. Yeah, yeah. and um, neither is a good way nah. to go. Nah. Anyway, though, Flumber yeah. Party Massacre. So, this is my first time seeing it. I went in knowing a few things, because you talked about the writer yep. and everything, and where if there was any sort of this, like, gendered violence, other than the obvious, like, killings, but in terms of anything that's, like, sexualized in any way, it's purely in that sort of, like, Freudian sense of this idea of this 
like stand phallic signifier. Yeah. <laughs> Get very Lacanian with it. Yeah. Um, where the killer sorry, what does he have? It's a It's a huge drill, a huge fuck yes, off power yeah, drill. Yeah, a giant thing. power drill. Sometimes oh, a power drill like is it. just a power drill. <laughs> but yeah, he, it's he, it's like a huge auger for like boring through doors. Yeah, and, shit. and he he holds it at like dick level most of the most time. Most of the time, there is a shot where it's directly between his legs. You see the woman cowering in the background, in the foreground. On it's the his parted legs with the drill coming straight down. Yeah, like I think that's on the dick. cover even of the. Yeah, yeah. So it's like this they skew the drill on the cover away just enough to get away with it. <laughs> just enough to get away with it. It's like it's not his dick. It's just a drill. It's just a drill. <laughs> But yeah, the, the symbolism there is is pretty clear mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of um, the the meaning of this violence and the sort of purpose that it's serving for the killer. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, if you've ever, if you've ever watched any crime shows, specifically um, even just the, the fictionalized ones, you always get the serial killers that are have the like psychosexual motivation where killing is the substitute for the sex act, yeah, and that's how they get off. And that's sometimes the only way they can. Mm. And so it is a very, in some cases, a very sexualized act from the end of the killer, even if he's not choosing to murder in such a way that, you know, you'll you'll get sometimes where this guy, he's, he's penetrating their bodies with this drill and mm. stuff. And so it's visually and like symbolically very sexualized. But even when that's not the case, it can still be a very like sexualized experience for the person doing the violence. Mm-hmm. So that's worth uh, considering, I guess. I don't think they explicitly did that in this movie. Like they didn't. They didn't really look into his motives. No, we. The extent of the motives is he's killed people before and just and escaped that, he, from an yeah, asylum. He's gonna do it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, he's a, he's a deranged murderer who's escaped. So what more motive do you need? Yeah, exactly. Thing, right. Just, well, even in a lot of slashers, it's like this guy is literally just the embodiment of pure evil. He's doing it. Just yeah. because he's evil. Yeah, this is, um, oh my god, the killer in this movie. He's <laughs> just rocking the Canadian tuxedo. He's just yes. completely denim, head to toe, mm-hmm. and he's carrying this huge drill with, like, the... And it's funny because he just looks like this sweaty dude. Like, he has <laughs> this salt and pepper hair, and he just has these, like, wild eyes. He mm-hmm. almost looks like a more put-together version of... Fwad Ramsey's the bad guy from Blood Feast. <laughs> his eyebrows aren't quite as wild, and yeah. um, his hair is combed, but other, otherwise, it's just like, oh man, getting <laughs> vibes. Yeah. Um. Well, as we mentioned, this movie was written and directed by women, but it also had some producer interference um, to try and gloss over some of those aspects or or yeah it to to make it marketable in the way that the the creators were directly critiquing Mm -hmm. so like how many lingering nude shots do we get (laughs) although i feel like it must have been one of the it must have been the writer's line when it first cuts to them in the shower and she's just like wow have you seen my tits lately i think they're getting bigger or something like that (laughs) and it's just like oh this is yeah, this is. You, yeah. you do see a lot of um, jokes about how male authors tend to write female characters and how they always will focus on their boobs in some way. Yeah. Where it's like she entered the room and she immediately felt, noticed the feeling of the air on her nipples and like, <laughs> <laughs> like 
there's shit like that that's just like yeah i walk into the room tits first and that is where all of my sensory information comes from and it's priority yeah i better put on a sweater (laughs) (laughs) so yeah there's this weird uh idea that um women are driven by their the sensory information collected from their boobs i don't know i don't know it's weird but anyway so i I almost can't help but wonder if that's like a kind of a little riff on that there, yeah. because that's even something I've seen in more like content. Like there was, I don't remember famous one of those Tumblr screenshots that would go around all the time when it turned. You know, there were people keep adding on to it and onto it, and eventually it turns like this breastly woman walked into the room boobily and like yeah, yeah, just. Uh, <laughs> well, in this movie, they definitely it's a weird mix because they do the things they're critiquing too <laughs> in a way that feels like it's not. A critique so much as it just is like when they're in the shower the camera slowly tracks over them and like you know tons of nudity and all that stuff and it stops on one person while she's talking and then the camera pans down to zoom into her butt mm-hmm. and then it comes back up April of nothing like yeah. it just does it because it can yeah. so it's like you got that gaze there you do absolutely um, it's just like super strong how they're presenting the gaze and it's one of those things where it's like how much of that is critique and how much of that is uh wink yeah like are they winking at the camera or are they wanking at the camera like that's all you can really ask (laughs) maybe both maybe they're exhibitionists um but one thing i did like about the cast at the start is all of the women they know each other because they're on the basketball team Mm -hmm. together and so they're all athletic and strong and just all cheerleaders and before cheerleaders cheerleading actually became like a, yeah. a sport. <laughs> yeah, and it's the men who are on the sideline, and they're doing the typical dude thing of, like, gawking. It's like, wow, she's hot, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's Jesus the kind of thing 10. where the men are on the sideline while the women are doing the athletics. Are and, active. Yeah, like, for example, there's one scene when the dudes are gawking at this woman that's doing repairs at the school. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the person doing telephone repair is this woman who's, you know, like, Dressed in denim, head to toe. Like, hey, did this guy steal her denim? Is that maybe. what his denim well, came he, from? I mean, yeah, it might be. Or maybe this movie's because just set she, in Canada. That's true. <laughs> um, but there's a scene early on when a guy sneaks up on one of the women and goes to scare her. And he, like, touches her shoulder. And she immediately grabs his arm and just, like, does a fucking wrestling move. Flips him <laughs> over his shoulder. And he's just like, oh, shit, kind of thing. Like, they're strong and mm-hmm. they're kind of like the the main cast is a group of women and they're sort of fulfilling both the like strong leadership roles that are often masculine and the feminine role at the same time yeah it's funny because they're still obviously gazed at by both well it's called slumber party master yeah. so it's like literally a peeping scene when they're just yeah. like disrobing and yeah because, their sleep because that's what we all do at slumber parties is we get naked in front of each other while having casual conversations. Like, honestly, if they didn't get found out, the pillow nut fight would have been next. Exactly. Like, that is exactly, exactly. how they go down. Um, but yeah, so, yeah, insofar as the gaze is there, it's still, it's, it interest, interestingly kind of complicates um, mm-hmm. Laura Mulvey's position, which brings us the... Could you... Yes, yes, yeah. which bring, which is essentially, this is the idea of um, the male gaze in cinema and her position seemed to be that it was sort of inherent in the cinema apparatus period. Okay. And so far, so like the way cinema is and the way film is, is it's just always going to be there because of the way it was set up. And that's been 
heavily contested. Yeah, I would say I, I kind of, I think that there's a historical case for, like, yes. it, it has been there like commercially there and majorly. there are absolutely examples of it there, and they still exist yeah, today. But yeah. I would also contest the idea that that cinema, full stop. Yeah, yeah, it's like, no, they... That's kind of like saying, well, well why bother? Yeah, like, yeah, there's yeah. no point in trying and, if a, And, yeah, I'm not going to give um, patriarchy, whatever you want to call it, that much credit, <laughs> first of all. But um, anyway, the idea is that the, and this this is all goes back to this psychoanalytic film studies. It's kind of a pain in the ass because on the one hand, you can see it in action in some cases, but on the other hand, as an analytical lens, it's going to make everything seem misogynistic because Mm -hmm. it goes in with the assumption that women are signifiers of lack and of passivity and stuff. So it's like, yeah, if you're already, if you're going to apply a psychoanalytic film reading to I know a big popular one is Twin Peaks, then yeah, it's going to seem misogynistic Yeah, you've, pre- you've presupposed this. Yeah, exactly. That's the so assumption you're going in with. So of course past. it's going to seem misogynistic. Anyway, um, male gaze is the idea that things are... And you can look... If you go on YouTube, I think you can see um, people put together examples. But um, one of the examples that was given to me is they're like, you know, think of any like teen movie you've seen where there's a makeover. And... I, I can picture, I think, in, you know, of, of all movies, House Bunny, with <laughs> <laughs> Anna Ferris, where um, Emma Stone's character, she's all, like, nerdy and whatever, and she has... A so cr- she has glasses. She has glasses. <laughs> she has a crush on this guy. He doesn't notice her. And then you have the makeover scene, and it's, it's always filmed in such a way where first you see the man, and you see, like, his reaction, and then you see her come in the room. So it's setting you up to be viewing the woman through the man's viewpoint right and you were so you were gazing at her through his perspective yeah it's like oh we are seeing what he sees yeah we're not just seeing the movie we're seeing what he's seeing and yeah this idea that the idea comes back to that men act and women appear and men are the active figures in these movies and women are pretty much there to look at and to be whether it's to be saved or just to be looked at for being sexy or whatever so um yeah, this movie is interesting in that that the gaze is still there. Absolutely, we're yep. we're up, even implicated in it with the peeping tom scene, but there are also the ones acting for the most yep. part, and it's the dudes on the sidelines that yeah. are more there to appear. Yeah, for sure, to, to appear and to gaze, I guess. Yeah, because they are not really relevant to the story so much as like they are. They're like comedic they're effect. A, they're a comedic effect and a body count. Yeah, kind of thing. And that was another thing that I found interesting in this one is that almost all of the women are killed off screen the Mm, ones that are killed yet the men get bloody visible deaths and it's often like a lot of these times in movies you'll see it sort of linger on women Mm -hmm. and their suffering and like like let's like mix that yeah let's mix that image of sex and violence together in this way whereas like the women it's always like you see a shot of the the drill Mm-hmm. Coming towards the screen, which, you know, very Freudian there. <laughs> and then it cuts, and we might see the body later. Right. Whereas, like, you've got the, the, the pizza guy with no eyes. <laughs> yeah. And, like, yeah um, you, see, you see the violence. There's both. brutal stabbings and yeah. stuff. And it's, uh, so it's a little subversive mm-hmm. of how that stuff's usually coded, where... Yeah. Like, you mentioned crime shows kind of thing. How many times have we seen one where it's just like, oh, the men's an afterthought. The man was there. He was really after the woman because that's who he was fixated on kind mm-hmm. of thing. And it's like that psychosexual thing where it's like, oh, kill the men. They're in the way. Now let's linger and really Show the woman live realized. in this woman yeah. thing. And it's like, 
this kind of undoes that. Yeah, it does. It, it does. It does some really interesting work with what violence it chooses to make visible versus mm-hmm. not visible. Yeah. <laughs> or I guess off screen. So I think that was a, that was probably a pretty deliberate choice. Yeah. Which is interesting. Well, not, not interesting. It's a choice itself, but it's an interesting choice to make. Mm. <laughs> And when we get to the end of the movie, there's very Freudian Oh, God, moment. yeah. Well, by the way, back to castration anxiety. Yeah, yeah, with the power trill versus machete. And the vinyl girl's machete, yeah. Yeah, that was a fun little... <laughs> that was just fun. <laughs> it's so hard yes. not to read into that, where it's just like, swoop, I, yeah. the dude's just got the drill at dick height, this huge fuck-off drill, and it's just like, beep! Goes flying off, off and he's just like pool. does that stares at it like kind of thing. <laughs> like it, it's so hard not to reach that. Yeah, I yeah I. Uh, it's kind of like, can it even be not read in that mm-hmm. way? <laughs> like you know what I mean? Is it possible? The other thing is the movie was funny. Mm-hmm. Like it had a lot of goofs to it. It does, and uh, so. It's a very tongue-in-cheek slasher movie, so that's maybe where these little um, differences or sort of, like, um, subversions mm-hmm. kind of work because uh, they don't really stick out like sore thumbs So because you're kind of coming at this movie with a different perspective yeah. anyway. Yeah, that's a good um, point. Which I think for, for uh, good and for bad, because then it's like, you know, like, yeah, adding a bunch of humor to it, you could say is sort of diluting yeah, the message almost, a bit. Yeah, but almost kind of like undermining the critical. But at the same time, it kind of allows it to Exist. infiltrate this yeah, exactly. slasher. So. Yeah, it's a good word, infiltrate. <laughs> yeah, so it's a interesting mix. Mm-hmm. So, second up, mm-hmm. what do we watch? Miss 45. Yeah, 1981's Miss 45 uh, by Abel Ferrara. This is a classic. It is. Um, before we fully recommend to other people like run out and see this movie we will mention this there are two very i found them very hard to watch um rape scenes in this movie Mm -hmm. and then there's that sort of threat throughout Mm -hmm. kind of thing like pointedly so like this movie's definitely like that's there's a message to this movie and it's a very integral to it but mm-hmm. it still it can be a hard thing to watch so that's my yes. warning to anyone before you rush out but if you've uh got the stomach for it and the nerve for it or just feel like yep i can handle this um it's a it's a good watch it it's is. probably one of my favorite of the so-called rape revenge movies it's pretty iconic yeah yeah it follows um a, what is she like a seamstress yeah she works for this fashion house yeah in new york um her name is Tha- Thana, which I had made the connection. You mm-hmm. pointed out her name was pretty much literally means death. Yep. If you're coming Thanos. from the Greek Thanatos. <laughs> yeah. Which is... And they, I think they even referenced that at one point. Like, yeah, they mentioned it's Greek? like Thana. It's like, is that Greek? Greek? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, she is assaulted and, on her way home from work one day. And again, soon after, and kills an assailant and then starts going on a spree, taking out nasty nasty dudes yeah but then towards the end um, it sort of devolves who her targets are yeah it kind of goes from like kill rapists and genuinely like or generally abusive dudes to 
dudes that are maybe you know maybe seem a little sketchy in the context but are probably okay to just like there's a dude there's a man yeah so So there definitely is a devolution in her um sort of psyche yeah her her psyche and her mission statement Mm -hmm. um okay so first off um one of the big things with the character thana is she's mute yeah she so she she can't talk she doesn't talk yeah and um this yeah really sets her up as almost the perfect victim i guess because she Mm -hmm. in the sense that she can't say anything i think it's it's almost like a in a lot of ways victims of sexual assault are sort of like symbolically silenced right whether it's through shame of you know shame over what happened to them feeling like it's your fault feeling like nobody will believe you there's this yeah this sort of like you're coerced into silence and so in this case thana is you know quite literally can't speak like, uh, the second attacker, because she gets attacked on her way home from work. Yeah. And then she gets to her home, but we've seen that some dude already broke into her home. And so there's another guy lying in wait. So, like, the first attacker, she gets pulled into this alley um, in the dangers of the city. And then she goes... Um, like, she goes home all shaken up. Where yeah, she goes safe. home to her sanctuary and... Yeah, where she already, should be safe. <laughs> it's already been violated by this guy breaking in and... Um, but in that scene, he has his hand over her mouth, I think, and says that tells her not to scream or anything like that, like no talking. And then he gets mad with her when she can't talk yeah. because he's like, now where's the money? And she like won't talk. And yeah. then because he's, he's there to rob her. Yeah. Convinced that she has all this money or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's... In her tiny, tiny apartment that. Yeah. Yeah. And he assaults her as well. Yep. Um. And this is sort of the breaking point for her character, or like the part where um, she fights back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which was, you know, yay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she kills him in, in self-defense, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, like, so at this point in the movie, like, you know, like, like I think we said, for the vast for the movie, she's done nothing wrong, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, that's the viewpoint that you get yeah. from this. Yeah, I, we're, I'm on Team Thana. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> if, she, if she was going to court, I would be one of those protesters outside with a sign that says, Thana did nothing wrong, we love you, Thana. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but she takes the dude's gun, mm-hmm. and she's going to... She has his gun, and she's depositing his body parts around town in garbage bags. Uh, and then, of course, during uh, there's a chance encounter with some dude who's with a, a cat collar because you know in the, in the beginning there's nothing but cat collars. On the well, screen. yeah, I guess we should talk about how yeah. they set up the men in this movie. Yeah, they set it up as like every dude out there is looking at Thana and her coworkers, but Thana especially as a piece of meat who is you, to be hollered yeah. at and propositioned and talk you know have her body talked about and all like just treated you kind of see where like how her viewpoint forms like Mm -hmm. you know towards the end when she's killing dudes that actually did nothing wrong um presumably yeah uh but but just she's like indiscriminately killing them without any evidence absolutely yeah. yeah um it's one of those things where it's like the view that you get at the beginning is it's every man yeah. kind of thing like they're, they're they're all dangerous like that first scene of the the women that work at the fashion house all walking home together it's we get a tracking shot that's them walking it shows their reactions and then it's like a reverse angle 
their POV walking through a crowd of men that lie in the streets and they are all catcalling them. They're all saying horrible things. They're propositioning like every single one. Yeah, everyone is. There is a not piece of like there's no good dude in the start of this movie whatsoever, no good right? Dude in the city of New York. Yeah, so when this um, when she's depositing or leaving the body parts in various trash cans and stuff around the city, this one guy who's out on the street corner catcalling. Yeah, we get an extended take of do. him doing that. He's just yeah. yelling at every, every woman that woman comes that by. by. And then and then like gets mad at them for not responding. Like, like, oh, you like, think you're too good for me? None of them even say anything back to yeah, him. Yeah, they like they don't just, even look at him. They just walk past, and then he just like gets mad at them. for And not. this is an example of that. That I mean, even though he's not doing anything physically violent. He, it's, it's intimidation, it's this, and it's this mm-hmm. idea, when we talk about this toxic masculinity reasserting itself. Yes. Yeah, so he's being rejected, and what's his reaction? It's anger. It's, oh, so you're, you're, you don't think I'm good enough for yep. you? You don't think, like, she's the problem, apparently, yeah. and... She, no, he can yeah. do nothing wrong. No, it's, no, it's no, kind of and how dare she not react to this yeah. and, like, you know, get on her knees and suck my dick because I'm just such a fucking supreme god among yeah. men. Ugh. Yeah. And then um, he sees Thana get out of a cab, and cross the street. And at this point, he's just like, oh, I've got to follow this woman. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to follow her down the street. And so he's running after her. And yeah, she, she deposits she like the bag. a bag and he sees it, like a bag of body parts. He sees it and Doesn't grabs it. <laughs> and, you know, he's all of a sudden going to be like, Baby, oh, you left th- your this bag. lady is going to be so thankful because this piece of this bag of garbage that, that she, she set down in a pile, in a pile of garbage, garbage, I will bring it back to her because she clearly needs this. Mm-hmm. Um and it doesn't go so well for him. Yeah, he follows her into an alley in with a dead, dead end, end alley. Yeah. And yeah, when he's coming up on her. Not she, unlike what she got drugged into and insulted yeah. at the start of the movie. He, yeah, so it, like, and I mean, you see her with like flashback, like she, she's traumatized. She is, yep. would probably be categorized as PTSD. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, she, she shoots him. And, and it's kind of great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's one of those things where it's like, there's nothing that really points to this guy is not going to do her harm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's one of those things where... Yeah, no, feel, I wouldn't give him the re- It feels like a very self-defense move on her Exactly. Part. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. It, after his demonstrated actions. There's another scene that follows soon after where we kind of see how all of these women... The co-workers, yeah, are sort of like their experiences with men in the city. Um, They're out to lunch at this cafe uh, on their break, and they see this couple, this straight couple, just making out vigorously at the table. And I love it. What what is it? The the one of them, her comment is, "Jesus, we're trying to eat here" or something like that. But as soon as the guy, as the woman in the couple making out leaves, the guy just watches them for yeah, a while sleezing on them. before he eventually walks up and just starts trying to hit on them and be gross. Mm-hmm. And oh, you gotta, you gotta love uh, Thana's coworker Lori. She just chews him out in a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful way. But it's one of those things where it's like they're at the point where they're just used to this mm-hmm. behavior because, like, we see every time they walk home from work, they just get leered at because you know there are women in public they get leered at constantly and it's fucking gross. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you kind of get how they're used to it Mm -hmm. at this point. And how they would, that's the assumption that one might come to is that, yeah, if a dude's trying to approach me, that's probably his intention based on the evidence I have of Mm -hmm. every encounter prior to this. 
So it's kind of like they don't even give him a word in edgewise. And it's almost like they just immediately start yelling at him before he even says two words. And so, like, from his perspective, perhaps, he sees it as like, whoa, whoa, this, I just walked over to say hi. And they're all I was just trying to be friendly. And it's like, you know, like, this is a good example of why that kind of behavior is so unwanted because even if you like, you know, he clearly has ulterior motives as we find out, of course, but even if he a hundred percent was just trying to be friendly, how often do these women deal with this on a daily fucking basis? Exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, he sees something he likes, so to speak, and figures that he's entitled to their time because of that. Mm -hmm. And that's really time and their attention. Yeah. And then of course he goes after Thana when she's alone. Yep. Yeah, and he does the whole, like, oh, I'm a photographer, uh, you know, I see beauty and I have to go for it, you know? So, like, absolving himself of any guilt in mm-hmm. it or anything. So he's just like, oh, I'm a photographer and you're beautiful, therefore it's obviously my right to follow you down the street and continue harassing Harass you, you throw my arm over your shoulder, all that fun stuff. Until you come to my studio with me. And, uh, but, as her name, uh, <laughs> implies, it wasn't the best idea on his part. Yep. And at a certain point, she just kind of goes out like, becomes a sort of avenging angel because, like, you know, she goes out into the streets and you could say, okay, at this point, she's not in a dangerous situation that she didn't immediately walk into. But that kind of gives to the whole, like, notion of, oh, she's asking for it. Yeah, kind of but also, it's like, it's like being a woman in public is inherently a dangerous situation. Well, that, that's exactly it. Like, it, it feels to me like a critique on that kind yeah. of thing where it's just like, oh, she's just asking for trouble on purpose. And it's just like, how often is that leveled at women who weren't asking for it, so to speak? And it's like, trouble comes anyway. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter whether you're asking for it or not. It's, so it's going to be there. She steps out in the street, and she doesn't even have to do anything other than walk from point A to point B. Just exist. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what, in one night, it's just constant. Like, yeah. there's the dudes in the park. There's the guy who pulls them up and uh, picks her up in the car. There's yeah, the dude in the bar. Are, there's the pimp that's the pimp. harassing yeah. the sex worker. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, like, in one night, she goes out, and it's just a slew of people. Like a one after the other. So at a certain point, she goes out, and we see this guy just walking up to his apartment trying to get inside to go home. He hasn't done anything because up to this point, everything... Well, is that the guy that um, he was, like, making out with his girlfriend? She's like, I gotta go. He's like, no, you don't. And she's like, ah, ha, ha, ha. Oh, like, I didn't... I didn't... I must have missed that. Okay, I don't know. Because there's a guy who does that. And I know she she looks at him very suspiciously. And that, that's that's kind of the case oh, where, okay. where I was talking about how um, stuff that, you know, might seem kind of suspicious out, out of context, if that's all she saw. Yeah. But you can tell from the girlfriend's reaction, like, she's she's laughing right. along with it and not... And it doesn't seem like it's in Okay, maybe I was out of the room at this way. point. Because uh, I remember just seeing him, like walking up to the door mm. and that was the first okay I, th- I thought that was the one with the with his girlfriend but you're, you're probably I right i could I have been out remember. of the room at the point but either way she sees a guy at this point he's not threatening anyone mm-hmm. um and she thinks that's good enough yeah um because you know like she just exists in public and trouble finds her so she finds trouble yeah kind of thing and um that all comes to a head at the big halloween party that her her skeezy her boss who has gotten increasingly skeezy mm-hmm. has invited her to as his date. Yeah, it's gotten very handsy and gross and, and creepy, uh, creepy gazes and yep. like when they see someone at the office across the street, um, you know, secretary riding this businessman on his desk kind of thing <laughs> in the window. He like gives her the eyes and stuff. Yeah. Like oh yeah, that could be us. 
Like, he, he's gross. And she, because of her being mute, he treats her like she's a little girl. Like, this yes, childish... totally infantilized. Like, it's, it's really gross dynamic. So for him to be like... And it's actually gross, too, because she can't speak, but he yeah. still pulls her into the office to talk to her and shuts the door, and it's the kind of thing right. where it's like, if anything happened, how is she going to alert someone? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, that obviously yeah. is a thing hanging over their entire interaction. For sure. Um, I guess we won't spoil the rest, but, uh, if you've ever seen any screenshots from this movie or anything, it's probably her dressed up as a nun. Yeah. Shooting. This is, this is the Halloween party, the grand finale. So yeah, like we said, if you think you can stomach it, it's worth a watch. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen this a couple times, a few times now. Mm -hmm. Um, this was your second watch. Yeah. It's a good bit of uh, that sort of like 42nd street, Mm -hmm. low budget, grimy filmmaking. That's for sure. Well, I mean, it's by the guy who did Driller Killer. Uh, That (laughs) movie came before this. Right. And, uh. You know, I feel like these two movies kind of complement each other pretty well, even though they're sort of about different kind of things. Just sort of that scuzzy New York feel. They both mm, have that, time. and it's it's pretty cool. It's makes them sort of these, like, cultural artifacts of a yeah, the particular bygone moment in history. exploitation time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, our last movie... Oh, daddy, this fucking movie is really disturbing to watch. Mm-hmm. We watched uh, Lucky McKee's 2011 The Woman. Um, I've seen this a few times now, and I still forget how, like, by the end of the movie, I was sort of just sitting there, like, edge of my seat, hand clasped over my mouth, like, oh my god, I I can't believe how severe this got. No, I had, I had seen it once before, a couple years ago, and this is the one, like, you know, we watched it last for a reason. Like, we watched The Woman this afternoon right before recording. Yeah. We watched Miss 45 last night, and... The, you know, the reason we ended up doing that in that order was because you asked me, okay, which movie do you want to watch? And I was like, let's watch Miss 45 because it, it's a bit lighter. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> I, I remember thinking like, like, are you, what? You're calling Miss 45 the lighter choice? And then I thought about it for like half a second. It's like, you're right. Absolutely you're, right. You're completely right. <laughs> yeah. Um. So as much as I knew this, like having seen this, I'm like, yeah, it's a great movie, but fuck if there i'd be lying if i said i was like looking forward to seeing it again and, and i mean i was for parts of it yeah so there there's aspects of it that overall, are really strong it's just but... like ah yeah it was a little there's a little bit of uh resistance there yeah it's um, unpleasant mm-hmm. for sure and by design yes absolutely this is a well do you want to give the base premise fucking or... portrait of misogyny yeah um yeah you have the, the family living on the sort of like, you, you called it almost like rural suburban. Yeah, right? rural suburbia. It's like they're in the sticks, but it has that kind of like white flight suburban. It does. They have a nice little house. class kind of thing going. Yeah, they, the kids, you know, the dad's a lawyer. So yeah, small town lawyer kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. So like they're definitely like well off and yeah, like you said, that sort of like white flightiness mm-hmm. about it. But it's still isolated. Like you don't get a sense of like... Well, they have a na- barn on their property, yeah. a small one, but they have a barn and they have, like, field around yeah. it. Like, so, they like, have it, a lot it's, of space. It's, yeah, it's, it's probably, like, an acreage or something. Yeah, like and, they're, and they get surrounded by woods. Yeah, yeah. so the, it's isolated to an extent. And um, we have mom, dad, big sister, middle brother, and little sister. Mm-hmm. And um, 
everybody seems to have their own issues and stuff yep. as far as school, getting along with others, etc., etc. Yeah, it starts out as like a slice of domestic life that you yeah. feel like something's a little off. Yeah, but... But that's the extent of it. It's like something's mm-hmm. a little off here. Mm-hmm. No, quickly, um, dad goes hunting and he sees a feral woman. Yeah. And so he, without telling his family, has them clean out the cellar. And then he goes back the next day because he fe- he found where she sleeps. Yeah. And he traps her, knocks her out, kidnaps her, brings her home, uh, ties her up so she can't move. She practically looks like she's being crucified. Yep. And uh, proceeds to tell the family, like, basically, here's our new pet. Yeah, he's like, just not like... quite in those words, but he he literally says like. Well, she's living out in the woods, and we we can't have this. We need to civilize her. We yeah, need to save her. He from wants herself. to civilize her, save her from herself. He says that literally. Yeah. But the son asks, "Do we get to keep her?" And he's just like, "We do," kind of thing. Yeah, like, we're doing her a favor here. Like it's one of those things where he's acting as if he's being so noble. But oh, he's he's, he's he's God's gracious gift to fucking women. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Ugh. Uh, my hat goes off to the dude who played the dad mm-hmm. so much. He. This is still one of the characters who makes me feel the most sick. In oh, a movie. I, I hate him. Like, I want him. Yeah. He did such a good job yep. of just being like, between the script, the direction, the way it was cut together, mm-hmm. and his performance, it's just like... He killed it. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's one of those things where it's like, it would be so interesting to see like this dude play someone legit in a movie and actually pull that off after <laughs> watching this, where it's just like, oh man... I would totally let that guy run the daycare at the library right, yeah. kind of thing, you know? <laughs> because I had such a strong reaction to his performance in this mm-hmm. one. Yeah. And yeah, you quickly find out that he's he's abusive. Very. Very abusive. Yeah, yeah. And he's raising his son to be a fucking psychopath. Uh-huh. And sadistic fuck. And yeah, it's it's incredibly disturbing. Yeah, it's, it's funny because the movie kind of reveals this in little bits as it goes, mm-hmm. but... I've seen this a, a couple times now because it's one of those movies. I saw it. I was shook, and so it's just like all of my other friends that are horror fans and say they want to, they're like into extreme or controversial movies. It's like you need to see this movie because there is a message to it that I think is very important. One yeah. while still just being like the movie will kind of get you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot like irreversible in that way. Yeah, in the ways we yeah. talk about it. Yeah, but knowing fairly well what's going to happen it's it's right there from the start it's Mm -hmm. it's well put in there you see all these little snippets that um when you're watching it on a rewatch it's like i totally see how these characters play out in this way you can just like you're like something something was off but it's like yeah it was the 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 power dynamic the like like one brief example i can think of is in the opening scene at the party we see the son just sitting there watching these bullies bullying a uh a his, younger like, girl five kind year of thing. old sister. Uh, no, that wasn't her si- this oh, sister. That was just that some was. rando. Oh, yeah. This I little... thought it was the sister the first time, too, oh, but it was just okay. some rando. Yeah, this, this, these um, kids are telling this girl, oh, we heard you wear diapers. Show us your... Di-. So they're presumably stripping her pants off. Yeah. Like, we don't see that, humili- of course. Yeah, but um, that's presumably what's going on. They're yeah. humiliating her, and he's just sitting there he's totally just sitting there aloof, watching, like, and then he just goes and plays beatball kind of thing. Whatever. And it's like, that little beat informs so much about that kid's mentality. Yep. Yeah, so... And as you see more of the relationship with his dad, it's just like, good God. It blows... It, yeah, it's... He never stood a fucking chance. Yeah. But I guess the main message is talking about domestic violence and family structures based on toxic masculinity. Right. And how dangerous they are. Mm. And toxic. Like, it's right For in the everybody. fucking name. Yeah. Um, and I feel like this movie really does that well. 
It's yeah. I I admit I um watching it this time, I thought that some of the music choices undermined that. Oh yeah. Like when he first spots her out in the woods and it's playing this song that the lyrics are like, "Oh, I first spotted you in school," and it's yeah like, yeah. I was like, this is really fucking gross. I like, could totally see that. Like, I, I felt it was part of the package It probably of is, but if anything, it was making me it seem like, because you set up this male gaze, like, right. we're seeing her through his eyes, it's almost like trying to create that, I don't want to say empathy, but, right. like, okay. almost, I see. I totally get for you lack mean. of a better word. I think maybe in that example in particular, too, it was maybe a little too early. Yeah, and maybe just too where, on the nose. Yeah, where we haven't really... Like, by the end of the movie, you, you have some very clear ideas of who everyone is yeah. and what they're doing. But this is a bit early where I can, I totally appreciate that. Like, I, I remember hearing those lyrics and being a little thrown, like, too, kind of thing. Yeah. Because I, I generally movie. like um, the scores in Lucky McKee's movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I like that he does that blend of, like, alt-rock with, like, score stuff. Yeah. Like, in May, he uses the Breeders and Kim and Kelly deal a and bunch. It's like and it's really... Children's choir music. Yeah, it's, like, fucking great. <laughs> it is. Um... And so it, that that's at play again in this, and I like a lot of it. But there are those times where the lyrics just kind of like I think that scene, and not even probably, just the lyrics, but also like this the like this the type of music itself yeah. was that very like establishing like a a love thing. Yeah. Uh, there's this sort of there's a chase that's going to happen, and a like I'm going to get the girl. Yeah, like it, yeah, it was it was just it was, like that it, scene was very egregious. It was off, very off putting, and that was probably the point, but. Yeah, I felt like, like I said, maybe too soon, maybe too on the nose. Yeah, I feel like kind of the thing is because we start the movie and ultimately we are seeing it from the dad's perspective more than anyone else. Like it really, Mm -hmm. it does flip through all the characters and it's not that it's necessarily picking, like the movie has an outside observer kind of narratorial mode, but it, by virtue of the way the plot's set up, we follow the the dad, the husband primarily. And so it totally does give that vibe that we are seeing things through his eye. And it seems almost uncritical of it at the start. Yeah. Like, we, it's just... Well, I think just because the convention it uses, yeah, it's usually, like, that, that male gaze, like, you're, I, I'm watching her through his eyes, he's he's the pro- protagonist in this, yeah. and the music that's playing is setting it up like it's gonna be a story about getting the girl. Maybe, maybe like, that's a big part of, like, watching it and then, like, having rewatched it a yeah. bunch, because it that scene, the way it sets up, is I felt like it... As gross as it was, it sets up his character like yeah. it's him at the end of the movie. That's him there. We just don't know it yet right. um, because he's watching her through the scope on a hunting rifle. Yeah. And it's like that is the male gaze we're getting. He's, he's yeah. literally targeting her yeah. as she's washing in the stream. So she's topless. She's bathing. He's watching her. It's slow motion. We get his reactions of mm-hmm. like, ooh, yeah. And that song is playing. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like... Yeah, I guess it's, yeah, exactly. I guess it just, it's not quite as condemning as I would maybe like. That's fair enough. Yeah, because I, I feel like by the end of the movie, yeah, like, it's I, I think, hard to make a case that this movie isn't fully condemning absolutely. this piece of shit. Absolutely, exactly. No, like, is. like you have the, the guy you showed me at the reaction at the premiere. Yeah. Like, this is, this is hatred of women. It's a, it's a, this should not be shown. It should be confiscated and burned. And it's just like, did you not get any of the critical, like, like this I, is I thought the bad. movie was hatred of misogyny and fairly yeah, bluntly it's, it's a too. portrait of misogyny, absolutely. But it's the same idea of like American Psycho. Yeah, like, yes. Mary Heron is a misogynist, and she's like, oh, well, no, well. she's like, I don't think it's a misogynistic movie. Like it absolutely shows misogyny, but the, does that make the the intent of the movie and the message yeah. itself misogynistic? Yeah. It's like I don't, I don't think so. Especially yeah. not when it's 
doing a critical presentation of it. And honestly, I don't think it should have necessarily been, but Mm -hmm. this movie is absolutely not subtle. No. In the way it it reaches that point. Like, I think it would have been even harder to watch in a way that maybe would have dampened any Mm -hmm. desire to watch it um, if it was more subtle because it definitely yeah. blinds doesn't blindside you it hits you over the head with its <laughs> message yeah. and so it is one of those things that like you're saying when people miss that message um they just take it at face value and are like this is it's on this it's on the big screen therefore it's being glorified yeah it's like ah no that's pretty pretty flat surface reading yeah of like just the images and nothing else yeah but ultimately, all of that is kind of why I find this one a bit of a hard one to recommend. I think it, it's one that definitely leads, lends itself to sort of analyzing in yeah. this kind of way. Well, yeah, and, and specifically, like, we're talking about this, going back to this toxic masculinity idea. We see that in the son so much. Absolutely. And in the father. But, like, one of the first examples where you're like, what the fuck is wrong with this kid other than his absolute, like, could not care less that this girl is being tormented at the yeah. party, is at school he... Is that, it's like recess or something. It's and like playing horse or something. Yeah, they're playing horse. It's some kind of basketball game. And the girl, this girl, his classmate is like doing better than him. Yeah. I think like he keeps missing shots and he feels, you know, kind of humiliated. Like he's been outdone by a girl. So he plays it cool, but he goes back into the classroom and he spits out his chewing gum and puts it in her hairbrush yeah. so that when she goes to brush her hair, her, she, it hurts her. Like he's sadistic yeah but it's also in this specific again like that reasserting like i've been humiliated here so i i have to one-up her yeah preferably in a violent painful way and this is a more minor version of compared to you know potential other options for violently reasserting oneself but you know especially later like when the woman kind of awakens yeah and the the dad goes to like investigate her and he and she bites off part of his finger I love that. Yeah, part. and then that is com- a great fucking yeah. part. Oh, it's fantastic, and she just like glares at him, unblinking, unmoving. Okay, okay, I just want to oh. pause on this moment for a second because I feel like this is like toxic heterosexuality too, kind of thing, where it's just like you know, it's like this gross, shitty married man fishing around in her mouth with his fingers. He's like, oh, it's just some animal that I can probe around, and then she chomps it and then spits out his wedding ring at him, swallowing his finger. Yeah, swallows yeah, his finger, just it. spits out this wedding band. And I'm just like, I love yeah, this. So good. Um, and, but yeah, he comes back after and he's like, he, he, when he, the first, this first time that he sort of like hurts her this way, where specifically to torment her is he comes in and he like just shoot fires a blank from a gun. Well, no, it was, it was a real bullet, but he fired it next to her head. Oh, okay. I thought it was just. That's why he put the board up because he shot the board. Got it. Okay. But yeah. Um, yeah, he, he has earmuffs on to protect like sound blocking, like protect your ears. He puts the gun right next to her ear. And, bl- and like, per- like fucks up her hearing. Well, there's, like, blood coming out yeah, of her like ear. Yeah, like, he fucks up her ears. And he's like, okay, now I feel better. Like, yeah. he established it as, like, I need to feel better about losing that's, my finger. That's interesting. And, like, and now I feel better. That you link that up with the kid losing a basketball at school. Because I think that's a really good parallel that, like, I didn't make that concrete mm. of a connection Yeah, I've been there, bested but... by a woman or a girl in some way, so I have to violently reassert yeah, myself as, that's... as superior, as more powerful. Like father, like son the kind one of thing. Exactly. And um, so the d- dad goes out one night and assaults her and son's a pe- the, the peeping The son watches, yeah. yeah. He watches. And then um, like the next day, it, it's, it's like, you know, the dad didn't know, but like he knew because he tells the son, he's like, all right, well, Moy, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Yeah. And what does the son do? He goes 
you know, if he thinks no one's home, he goes down and to the cellar where she's kept and he proceeds to strip off her part of her shirt. So her breasts are exposed and not only is he like touching her and jerking it, but he starts like stabbing her with these pliers yeah. and like at one like when you he when it's intervened upon, one of her nipples is all bloody. Yeah. Like he's a fucking sadistic yeah. piece of shit. And he specifically in misogynistic terms, like it's very yeah. explicitly violent well, yeah, like, against women, misogynist. Yeah, like, like I mean, yeah, he's literally like trying to tear off part of her breast. It looks yeah. like, like that's pretty fucking misogynistic. Yeah. yeah, and like it's one of those things that it sort of hints at that, like he's gonna do this, like, um, because he's got the sadistic streak. Mm-hmm. It's um, but anytime the parents, like when they're washing her. He keeps trying to be like, I'll help, I'll help, I'll help. And then they're just like, no, go to your room because she's going to be disrobed. And And even when the mom's not there to make that point, like, no, like sometimes they'll be like, oh, can I help? And the dad's like, no, you've done enough work. Like he doesn't even dress that. It's because of that. It's like, it's like he knows and he's just, he's playing keep away. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's this, this idea that in this family, it's a fucking like masculine rite of passage to brutalize women, women and or girls, but primarily this, the woman. And that, yeah, it's part of like his, like growing up and becoming a man, becoming like dad is done through painfully like assaulting. Yeah. This woman they're keeping captive. And yeah, when we, when he gets caught and the mom is fucking furious, like, Uh and the dad's like, well, did anyone get hurt? Yeah. You know, boys will be boys. He's he's curious. He's 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 a young man. Like he's. I feel like that's the point when like all subtlety, subtlety has been swept <laughs> off gone. the table. And at this point, like I say, it's like given how brutal the movie is, I, I think it's better for not playing coy with it. Mm-hmm. It's just like be out with it. Yeah. Because um, I've heard that his critiques against the movie that by the time the dad does his huge rant about how it's all women and all women are inferior and all this stuff, yeah. people are like, oh, it's too on the nose. It's too blah, blah, blah. Oh it's God. like, and I'm thinking, I've literally heard these talking points from yeah. people. Like this is, it's not on the nose. I've heard the talking point from like s- less violent men. Yeah. Like, and so it's one of those things where it's like, how can you claim that it's fake or a put on when it's like. Literally heard. This literally People happens say this on the daily. Threatening contexts mm-hmm. too, yeah. Um, thankfully, there is revenge in this movie. Oh, thank God! This. And it is just as like on screen as everything else that is yes. done to her. They they thankfully don't shy away from the revenge. We we get to uh, revel in it, and it's one of those things where it's just like it's poetic this is the justice that i i, I, yes. I wanted kind of yeah. thing it's uh very graphic it's um yeah. uh you do not feel bad for the people no you were you were cheering and like yelling at her like do this do this like before he's dead well i was well i heard you yeah. very much no, it's, it's like, fuck yes <laughs> <laughs> no i don't believe in the death penalty yes i believe in vigilante justice yes we exist well that's the beautiful thing about <laughs> cinema especially is yeah. it since it is fantastical it's like like i would like to think the people that watch a friday the 13th and are like yeah jason fuck him up kind of thing they're not actually pro murder yeah and that they um, wouldn't like if they were witnessing that like, came across a murder take or a attempted murder taking place in real life that that wouldn't be their reaction 
then again, there is a lot of revelry around true crime. So that's true. Yeah, and you in do, ways that uh, and and then you, you get know. that mob mentality where it's just like, oh yeah, fucker. Like there are cases where violence is taking place, mm-hmm. and the, then the the crowd starts like cheering for it. And but I, like, I don't yeah. take that as the norm of the horror fan, for instance. No. Otherwise, we're all doomed. Kind yeah. of thing, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so I'd like to think. I think you can have your your cake and eat it too. You can be mad about the death penalty and still just be like, it is so great (laughs) when that dude gets bisected. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because, yeah, I don't know. That that particular, in these cases, the revenge seems more like just like an extension of or delayed self-defense. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. I mean, like. It's like, I still just like, yeah, she's done nothing wrong. The second they abduct her because they need to save her from herself. Anything she has to become self-defense. Absolutely. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's just like... And specifically because they they um, mobilize these, like, really violent colonial themes. We need to civilize her. We need to yes. save her from herself. Like, that shit is fucking disgusting. And, yeah, anybody who is under colonial occupation, anything that they do against the occupier is by definition self-defense and they were doing nothing wrong yeah so yeah no that's one that i'd be really interested to hear what maybe like um a critical like indigenous viewer would have to say because it's definitely using those tropes without actually making the source of the tropes visible or present right because, um, you know, like, the kind of things that they would level up the woman are the same kind of racialized and bullshit things that yeah, colonizers do. It's like, oh, of, she's, she's savage, she's, uncivil- she's uncivilized, yeah, this, 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 you know? this image of the savage, and not the noble savage, yeah. but, like, the, the, the one that doesn't, is, that resists being civilized. But, yeah, because, would it, but then would it, because it erases the people who've actually experienced that in place of putting, like, a literal feral woman mm-hmm. in the place i'm I'm curious what the reading or response to that would be i, I imagine not positive hmm. but i i'm curious yeah fair yeah. enough it's um very telling though that his civilization uh project <laughs> um after he's cleaned her up in you know really Horrendous way. Really fucking painful. And uh, dress, dresses her up. He's just like, hey, she looks like one of those polygamist wives kind of thing. Like, he's basically, his civilization thing is turning her into the most, I, I like, hegemonic domestic housewife. Yeah, he's turning her into something fuckable that is seen but not heard that is, yeah. like, and he's doing her a favor by I doing so. that was the one place this movie kind of dropped the ball is there's no, like dick removal that's true yeah it's like i felt like that would have been earned it would have um yeah this was a heavy week Mm. wasn't it yeah um kind of hard not to talk about not get heavy when you're talking explicitly about misogyny and the Mm. way that uh women are fucked with harmed all that kind of stuff uh, but that's kind of why I think Women in Horror Month is so important because I want those viewpoints that are. I want, first I want the people that criticize these kind of uh, concepts. Like I, I want people like to actually be film? critical of oh, like misogyny and that kind of stuff, right? And at the same time, is um, I look forward to when movies can kind of eschew this. Mm-hmm 
it's kind of hard to put it in words, what I'm trying to say. Mm, yeah. Okay, so, as usual, we um, come to the end. We've got our recommendations. Um, what are you recommending this week? Well, speaking of revenge scenes that are just so delicious, you just eat them right up. Um, I'm going to have to go with the girl with the dragon tattoo. Okay, okay. Um, either one. Really? So the 2009 or the 2011 2009 one? Swedish starring Numi Rapace or 2011 American David Fincher starring Rooney Mara. Okay. I almost called her Mooney Rara. Mooney Rara. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'm so conflicted because there's that that part of me that is such a loyalist to the original. Right. That is like, the new one wouldn't be, or wouldn't be close to what it is without what the original brought to the table. But it's undeniable that the new one has a way better budget and is thus able to cover more of the story, is Mm -hmm. able to have, you know, be way more polished Mm -hmm. as a film. And so I don't dislike it. I mean, I, I, I quite like it. Like, that's why I'm recommending it. But I would recommend seeing the Swedish one first, I think, Mm -hmm. to just and I think that's usually the case when you see remakes because you get an appreciation for like what's already there. Right. Of course. Yeah. Because I don't think, I guess the frustration, yeah, is that I don't think they really did much original. Like remakes, usually you want to see a new take being, you want to maybe see something new being brought to the table. And in this case, it seems more like we remade this because we figured it would make money because it's a really popular story at the time. Absolutely, yeah. So, which, like I said, doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. I I want to see it again. I only saw it when it was in theaters and that's it. So, yeah. it's, it's been a while. Um, but yeah, that being said, I like I can't recommend one without the other. That's <laughs> fair enough. That's fair enough. <laughs> yeah. But if we want to talk about, like, I mean, the, the book on which it's based, we all know it as The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, but in the original Swedish... The title literally translates to Men Who Hate Women. Right. Which should set you up for the kind of violence and themes and stuff that are explored throughout. Mm-hmm. I've only read the original trilogy by Stieg Larsson. I haven't fucked with the posthumously published, written by someone else books because of the sketchy shit going on with his estate and everything. Um, but yeah, I great series. The first three books, at least. like The Millennium mm-hmm. Trilogy. And... Uh, yeah, I've seen the first, I think, two Swedish movies, and then obviously they only made one of the trilogy for the remakes because right. it didn't make enough money or something. I don't know. So anyway, yeah, Girls Drain Tattoo. Cool, cool, cool. I think that's a great <laughs> choice. You haven't seen it yet, so... I have not. I've yet. been excited to, so mm-hmm. this will be a good excuse. Um, my recommendation is going to be They Call Her One Eye from 1973, mm-hmm. um, also known as Thriller, A Cruel Picture. I am recommending specifically the They Call Her One-Eye version of this because uh, there's different versions that were cut together this movie to oh. do the exploitation thing. So they're not just stuff. doing that, we're going to put it out in really in different titles? It's not Italian? Yeah, one of them, they, to get on the wave of being as extreme as possible, filmed hardcore inserts. Oh, jeez. And okay. it's like, these are for scenes of sexual assault. Great, So okay. it, like, just makes for... Holy, unpleasant, disgusting viewing. I don't recommend it. Okay. Um, you might say, like, oh, but I want to see the most complete, uncensored version. It's like, that's your prerogative. Yeah, uh, but, do what you want, bud. You know, like, personally, I don't think it fucking adds anything. Because first off, they're insert shots that were filmed after the fact. Yeah. With, with, like, different actors, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just makes this kind of gross, like, it 
fucks up that line of like, oh, she is an assault victim getting revenge. Assault is bad. Revenge is good. To be like, assault is bad. But anyway, let's have some porn. Yeah. So like, it's one of those things that I'm recommending the more cut down version because I think it's the better fucking movie. (laughs) Um, Sounds like it. It is a, it is a, it's hard to watch. There are assault things in there. Um, the basic premise is a woman gets abducted and purposely uh, hooked on heroin so she can't leave this dude's prostitution ring. So she decides that shit don't fly and gets some great fucking revenge. And there nice. is fantastic slow motion shots. Like they got one of those high speed cameras. So she's gunning people down it's shot at, like, 400 frames a second. So you just see, like, oh, some dude gets shot in the chest and goes flying. It's like, yeah, well, that takes 40 seconds of screen time. (laughs) And it's, like, pretty fucking great to watch. Um, And there's some fucking montages of her getting, like, like, she's all the extra money she manages to er earn and hide away. She's, like, going to, like, ex-military dudes to, like, train her how to fight, getting people to train her how to stunt drive cars, how to fire guns. And it's just, like it fits with that sort of like really grimy exploitation kind of feel. Mm-hmm. So be warned that to know what you're getting into with this one. Um, but at the same time, the revenge scenes in it are pretty fucking great. Nice. Good payoff. So that's uh yeah, it's, uh, Oh, there's nothing more upsetting than watching a movie where someone goes through all these indignities <sighs> and like cruelties and just like brutalisms. And then the revenge is barely a thing. It's mm-hmm. like, that just seems crass and yeah. cruel. And it's Or like, if the, the assault is all, like, all the violence is experienced by a woman and then it's, but it's used as a foil for a male character's development and he goes and gets revenge on her behalf. Fuck that. Yeah, that's, um... Except Mandy. Mandy's that. pretty fucking good. Yeah, Mandy's a bit of a different case. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Mandy's yeah, the exception Mandy that Mandy is its own rule. thing. <laughs> Mandy, yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't feel like it has that same like. It's a very different kind of movie. I it, wouldn't want this in in those kind of revenge yeah, movies. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's different somehow, and I'm I'm gonna figure out how with Cheddar Goblin. Cheddar, yeah, Cheddar, Cheddar Goblin, Goblin is right? how it's so different. That's how it's different. Fucking True. Cheddar Goblin. Um, <laughs> so this was a heavy episode, and it was a bit thrown together. Um, part of that is I'm departing on a trip right away, and we want to make sure we have some content going up. Yeah, uh, I will be back soon in time for the next one to go up and uh yeah i look forward to getting back into some of that variety we've had mm-hmm. um feeling a little less brain dead <laughs> yeah yeah it's been a long day i wrote most of the paper today so yeah. i mean this one was only like five pages but <laughs> it's still school work but still like that's enough still kind of mentally taxing um yeah but yeah so let's uh maybe do something nice for yourself. Let's uh, unpack Self from from care. watching and like talking about such heady versions of uh, brutal violence. Um, and this is not the extent of how we want to talk about women in horror. Oh, I think it. this is a good way to talk about how women have been generally constructed as victims of horror. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and sometimes survivors. Yeah. So this movie <laughs> kind of, these movies kind of play with those in interesting ways, I find, mm-hmm. or they're good examples of what's out there. We will have another topic later in the month that deals more explicitly with female filmmakers and, like, a so-called female gaze kind of thing. Yeah, so. and is there a female gaze? Is there? Is there? I don't know. I, don't I guess know. We'll, we'll have to we'll deliberate. We'll find out. <laughs> um, we don't purport to have any of the facts. We're just presenting them as we see them. Yeah, but um, 
I guess until next time, take it easy, keep it sleazy, but in a way that is good self-care that doesn't harm other people. Yeah, and be that's nice to consensual and, and not nice uh, creeping on others because otherwise you might get missed 45 Yeah, let's uh, be sleazy in a way that's positive and... Life-affirming. Life-affirming sleaze, I like it. Yeah. Toodles. <laughs>